This is the Alpaca Podcast for all things alpaca. If you're an owner, a soon-to-be owner, a want-to-be owner, or are just alpaca mad or love the fleece, welcome to the Alpaca Tribe. I'm Steve Hetherington. Hi, Steve here, and welcome to the podcast for alpaca people. So good to see you again. I have been having something of a a life theme just recently. What is it that you notice? This seems to have been coming up in all kinds of different parts of my life. What is it that you notice? And we're surrounded by sensory input with sounds, sight, smells, etc., the whole works. At the same time, my brain is full of thoughts with all of these range of things competing for my attention. It's easy to get distracted. What should I be doing next? What have I forgotten to do? How can I fix wars and world peace and political foolishness? How can I stay safe protecting my family and friends? So many questions crowding in. The alpacas generally are not clamouring for attention. Being around them produces a little oasis of slow-paced activity. Some thinking space. When all the shouting stops, it is easier to notice things. Some of them are smiles, like the many violets growing at the top of the field we call bankside. Or the graceful glide of a heron arriving on the lake. The call of birds, the song of the morning or the evening. So what do you hear? What do you see? What do you smell? What is it that you're noticing? The wind keeps shifting, both in strength and direction. It feels different when it comes from the north. It reminds me of my roots, where I grew up, with the wind coming off the North Sea. Is that just because it's colder? This morning, the valley looks different. After a dry spell, we had rain yesterday and overnight. The buckets and troughs needed emptying of water before filling with feed. So the grass this morning has a chlorophyll hue. And the trees are starting to green. It's that combination, isn't it, of the moisture and the warmth Brings the flies out as well. There's lots of little biting white flies, little pesky things. The alpacas don't like them, and neither do I. (laughs) This morning I saw Nir and Owena reaching up for the newly opening leaves on some branches which overhang the fence in the stable paddock. Others chose grass, but both Nir and Owena are partial to leaves. They obviously noticed the new growth and took advantage of it. Owena's tall anyway, but she can stand on her back legs and reach, well, she balances on her back legs and she can reach higher than anybody else can. Uh, Today she was just stretching her neck. The geese, I don't know what they're doing. (laughs) They've kind of given up on the nest building lark for a bit. Uh, No eggs, no nests. It's showing any interest to them at all. 
for a time we've just had the one pair and then another pair are back and then is it the previous pair or is it a you know uh, i've no idea anyway there's a lot of shouting goes on at certain times and other times they're just kind of around but they're spending a lot more time in the field with the alpaca around the stables uh, the other day i tried to deliver some food for my girls to the stable and suddenly discovered there were a pair of geese in the corral so I took a bit of a detour, took their bag round the other side so I could disturb them and send them out of the gate <laughs> rather than drive them down in towards the stable. I just thought that was going to get a bit complicated. So they seem to be getting on okay with the alpacas, of course. That's that's new, nothing new. That's normal. But they, they do seem to be in the field quite a bit more. And uh, yeah, there we go. Interesting, different this year. The girls were way down on the finger, grazing all around the area where the the nest would be. Except they're not, <laughs> they're not nesting. Uh, so there's some definite ongoing warming and greening, and I think we're due for a bit of showers here and there. It's April, so we get April showers, and that's all to be expected. So that's that's kind of. Just happening is. Are we noticing those things? Well, we're noticing some of those things, but it, it's kind of watching the alpacas as well and and trying to sense what's going on with them. They they seeming to be more spread out. I thought they were spread out pretty much anyway, but they're even more sort of separating off. And there's little groups of youngsters who are now very independent uh, and away from their mums. So it's not far off weaning time. We saw a little bit of adult behaviour the other day from one of the boys. <laughs> My rig, yes. Mm. So uh, that's settled down again. That's okay. But I don't know what that was all about, what triggered that. But we're going to have to keep an eye. I think still too young, but yeah. So the flies are approaching. The fleece around the eye seems to be growing ever more. So we need to do a little bit of tidying up there again, again. And then uh, thinking towards the, the shearing and doing the preparations for that. So they feel like they're fairly relaxed and spread out. What is it that they notice? It's a good question, isn't it? I don't know whether they pick up on the same things. There's a few of them get a bit flighty around me now. Well, that's because I've had to disentangle brambles off them and they they don't particularly like that. Well, the answer is don't go near the brambles. No, that's never going to work, is it? So, okay. It's that young fleece that seems to attract all the vegetation and everything gets tangled into it. The boys have been rolling up on the top and as well as bits of well, bracken and vegetation generally, they've also seeming to be showing bits of gorse tangled up in their fleece. And that's not so nice. Oh, I don't I don't like that. That's when when we're doing the shearing and you kind of take take hold of them and manoeuvre them into position, but you suddenly discover they've got a bit of gorse tangled in their fleece and you get pricked even or even through the the gloves. It's uh serious spikes. So it's quite a lot of blossom at the moment, a lot of flowers on the gorse. And the other day, I, I wish I could take a picture of it, um, but I can't really, can I? Um, what I'm talking about is the smell, that that warming of the gorse that smells like coconut. just wonderful. And uh, you have to imagine it. Go and smell some gorse for yourself. But that was nice to see. And, the, and yesterday, when it was damp from having just had the rain, amazing, amazing smell of the, the flowers on the ivy clambering up and through my trees. So that was ah, just so nice to, to smell. And uh, we shall continue to watch for who comes next. 
the color flowers, the, the shape of things. But I've, I'm noticing there are some bits. Now, do I start strimming? Should I strim back the the stinging nettles that are getting developed? Maybe I should have some plants. Okay, this is this is an experiment. I'm going to strim some of the areas and leave some of the other bits to later. So if, when I strim them, am I going to get the grass to grow or is it going to hold it back? So we'll do, do a little experiment. We'll have a patch where we do one thing and another patch where we'll we'll manage it slightly differently and just see what happens. But it's definitely getting towards strimming time. You need to get the strimmer out in various places now and just keep the vegetation under control. The footprints have been indicative of what's going on. That's something I've noticed. The footprints have been indicative of what's been going on. I've seen some footprints actually on the edge of the, the stocking pond. This is going back to when the, the, the lake had a, a stocking pond where the fish were brought in before they were put in the lake for, for the fishing. And um, hmm, uh, they're getting on the edge and then down. You can see them going down. They're obviously going down to the, the water edge to, to drink because it's no longer in that drainage ditch that's alongside the road. So they have to get closer and closer. And I'm just thinking, oh, don't get too close. I think they'll be all right. But obviously they've been, been nearer the edge. So the water level is going down on the lake. Mm. That's something else to be aware of. So I'll, I'll keep a check on that. And if need be, we can put the fence across the end so we don't get any repetition. I'm going to do that early this year so we don't get any repetition of Millie. Do you remember Millie getting stuck in the mud? Oh, dear. That was later in the summer when the, the lake was well down and the sandbar was growing grass that she thought she could walk out to and she had to walk across silt that had no possibility of holding any weight at all. And we had to have the fire brigade out to rescue her. So you'll find that. I'll put the link in the episode notes so you can catch up on that one if you don't remember. Oh, yes. It brings back <laughs> brings back memories and a slight chill to my... Oh, trying to do something and not being able to is just horrible. There we go. So Millie's doing well. She's uh, grazing nicely, enjoying her food, enjoying and being mixed in with the, the others too. So I'm quite pleased with how she's she's gone. It's always tricky going through the winter with some of the older ones. You're just kind of watching them and trying to see what's happening and are they going to be okay. So some decisions still to be made about shearing time and do we take the fleece off or leave it on and or take some off and leave it on a little bit longer so that it's going to be better for the winter. Can you tell me? I'd like to know. Can you tell me what kind of winter we're going to have? Can you tell me whether it's going to be an early winter or a hard winter? No. Oh, okay. No, I can't tell either. So we'll do the best we can. We make a decision and try and balance that, I think. And it's been helpful to be able to get some of the bigger coats uh, for the adults. So at least some of the older ones can be protected if the weather does turn really wet and really cold. But we shall... Have to wait and see what comes with that. We haven't had spring or summer yet, so let's not worry about the winter. Excuse me. And if you're in a different part of the world where you're going into winter now, or at least into autumnish, and into to winter in a bit, then uh, my thoughts are with you. And hopefully things are going well. It's strange talking to people who are around different parts of the world because the, the seasons are... Uh, at different times, they're similar, uh, but at different times. 
And I remember speaking to someone who was, they were actually in Zimbabwe, and they were saying that they kind of switched from, they almost had two seasons rather than four, and they switched from uh, sort of summer through into winter almost overnight. It was a really quick change. There's hardly any autumn at all. It was just a very quick, now they're in Harare, so it was a, it was a higher altitude. Uh, but that was an interesting, I'm not sure I'd like that. I quite like my winter being winter and my autumn coming first and being autumn and my summer being, mm, I'm not sure I like my summer being hot. I, I quite like, I, I, I could, I could cope. I think if we, if we skipped summer, <laughs> is that awful? I'm sure there's a lot of people now up in arms about my request for a skipping of, of summer. So we've had some nice weather and I've enjoyed that. And I felt the warmth and I've had enough. Thank you. That's just delightful at that little small taster. So we shall see. We can't do anything about that, but it's this noticing, that question I had at the beginning about what do you notice? So see if there's anything going on with the alpacas. You're going to have to spend some time with them. Now that hopefully will also calm you down and cause you to relax and stop all of that busy, busy, busy in your brain. Perhaps that's just me. And just spending a bit of time with them, finding the rhythm. Be more alpaca. Find the rhythm that they have. Being relaxed, being at peace. And finding that you can take delight in the small things, in those small five-minute holidays. Those bits of time that you can spend with and around the alpacas. Uh, I know I am massively, massively fortunate to have a window that overlooks uh, places where the alpacas are a lot of the time. So when I'm working at my desk, when I'm recording as I am now, then I can actually see the alpacas or some of them. I can see that I can't see all of them, but I can see some of them down on the edge of the car park, down by the lake. I can see the geese. Yeah. So my usual cry of, if you can, go spend some time with an alpaca. Now, there's a couple of things I wanted to mention, just to let you be aware of. And that was two things. From guests we've had in the past. First up is Chris Cody of Paka, that's P-A-K-A. And just heard from from him with the his newsletter that they're doing some other work with the people in Peru and... They've got to start with a simple goal to deepen their connection to where the clothing comes from. And origin takes you to the exact coordinates where the fiber in your garment was sourced. Isn't that amazing? Mm, I like that. So they've got a video which they're sharing, which is uh, something they just finished in Peru, which is pretty amazing. And you can sign up for his newsletter. Find the details on the website, which will be in the episode notes. And then starting on Thursday... 1% of all packer sales will be donated to building a regenerative agricultural system with the families living alongside the alpacas, from grazing practices, creating water reserves to capture glacial water, to funding electric shearers, and so much more. There's a lot of work ahead, and they're going to be on the ground working with the International Alpaca Association, which I hadn't heard of, but is actually based in Peru, uh, to set a new standard for these practices everywhere. So that's just an interesting development, that whole thing of regenerative agriculture being put into the working with alpacas in Peru. So good to hear about. 
And the second bit of news was from our good friend, Marty McGee Bennett, who's hosting a virtual conference. Uh, this is a Camelid Dynamics virtual conference, and it's going to be the 7th and 8th of May, so it's not far away. And it's going to be an immersive and interactive conference. And they all say that, don't they? But this one, I really think, will be. It's going to be an amazing mix of people. And uh, looking at, at who's going to be speaking is just amazing. But Linda Tellington-Jones, who developed the whole T-Touch system, which Marty built her practice from. So that's that's going to be worth hearing. Dr. Susan Friedman, Robin Hood, who's going to be, that's Robin with a Y, speaking on the wonderfully weird training, why novel works with animals of all species. So that should be, that could, could be fun. You need to go check out Marty's website. There'll be a link in the episode notes, but camelidynamics.com. All the details about the Camelid Dynamics Virtual Conference. And that's going to also include speakers. It's going to include Julie Taylor-Brown, um, who we've had on the, the podcast too, and she's based down in Cornwall. And also, who else have we got? Oh, we've also got Victoria Barrett. And she'll be talking about using animals, using alpacas in particular, working alongside as therapy animals. So that's just going to be amazing. Go check out the website, see what's going on and whether you can be involved. And you don't have to travel to the US, you can do it virtually. That's got to be good. So there we go. That's a bit of news. Uh, they're kind of adverts, not quite adverts, but they're kind of adverts. And uh, hopefully you'll find them useful and interesting though. So here we go. Ah, go spend some time with an alpaca. Take care. Bye for now. This is the Alpaca Tribe, and I'm Steve Hetherington.